Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome once again as we continue on in our study through the New Testament. This is part number 211 of our study. That sounds funny to me. And uh, talk about a long series. I think I'll keep numbering them through the Old Testament, and at some point, we'll be at, at, that'll be like a part 1,000 and something. That'll be really cool. I'll like that. We'll have a big party when we roll over to 1,000. How long will that take? This took four years to go 200. Uh, wow. <laughs> we got a long time to plan that one. Um, we are in today Hebrews chapter 11. We're studying the New Testament a chapter at a time. We're looking at the sort of the main concepts. Um, obviously, we could, I mean, you could dig into the Bible and you could, you could, you could spend uh, uh, the 20 minutes or so that we spend on a whole chapter. You could spend it on a verse. Um, it's, there's that much stuff in it. I hope you enjoy your time in the Bible. I, I love to read the Bible. I love to think about the Bible. I love to uh, sort of meditate, not only on what I read, but, but on you know, the, the ideas behind it and the, the, the stories behind it. I, 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 we do it in context on purpose so that, that you know why it's there, um, that, that what was happening when it was written, um, that, that th there were things taking place. So you know, we read through the New Testament, we got a, through the Gospels, and we got a good idea of what was happening in Jesus' ministry. Um, and then we read through the book of... Um, Acts, and we saw what was going on with the early church, and then uh, at the end of the early church, we saw these missionary journeys that Paul was doing, not at the end of the early church, but at the end of the book of Acts. Um, we, we watched the missionary journeys of Paul, and we saw him starting all these new churches, and so we, we worked our way through all of Paul's letters, and, and how they were written to these churches, and the, the situations they were going through, and how it's, it's wisdom certainly for us today, um, but, but we need to make sure that we're, we're getting it in the, in the context at which it was extended and we're not taking it out of context. And now we're in the book of Hebrews, we're, we're well into it, we're into the 11th chapter. Um, the book of Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote it. Um, for a long time people thought it was Paul, but, but most scholars don't believe any longer that it was Paul. They think, um, that it was uh, probably written by one of his companions who would have known Paul's ideas and Paul's heart for God and theology, um, but the, the way it's written is different enough from the rest of Paul's letters that it, it, it probably wasn't Paul, um, and so we're not sure. They take a lot of guesses at who it might be. We don't know. Um, we do know it's divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it speaks to us today, and uh, Hebrews is, is, a, is a phenomenal book. Um, I keep saying this, oh, I love this book, I love this chapter, and that's true, and, and it's okay to have more than one favorite. Um, we had this discussion the other day, right? It, it, God certainly has. You, everybody's God's favorite. Do you get that? I mean, that's, if you, if you, you need to ponder that, but it's very true. You're God's favorite, and, and you're God's favorite, and you're God's favorite, and you're God's favorite, and you're God's favorite, and I'm God's favorite, and that's a good thing. And, and it's, it's absolutely and, and perfectly sound and, and what happens. Um, and so, you know, when I say things, well, I, um, Hebrews uh, is a, a phenomenal book, written, letter book, written to um, Christians, Jewish believers who had accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but because of the intense persecution they'd experienced and were experiencing, um, there were some of them who were deciding that, that maybe they should, they should try and return to their former way of, of living and understanding in Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews has been patiently explaining to them why that's not something they, can, they should choose to do 
and, and how actually to do so would, would put them in, in the jeopardy of complete and utter destruction eternally. And um, he talks about uh, all of the things that have happened and how we've looked at how Jesus is superior to anything that's come before him and how there's a new covenant instead of an old covenant and how the, the sacrifices have been done away with because the perfect sacrifice was done in Christ and that the, the priesthood of Jesus and the order of Melchizedek is superior to the Levitical priesthood and he's laid out compelling arguments um, and, and discussions using uh, all sorts of Old Testament scripture because the the people who would have been reading this book would have understood the Old Testament scripture because they were Jewish believers and they had a good solid foundation. You know, most of Paul's writings, he couldn't refer back to the Old Testament because he was writing to Gentile churches that had no point of reference. And so um, the writer of Hebrews has been working through this situation and in, in, uh, Hebrews 10, we did last week, uh, just an amazing chapter because it talks about the fact that we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way for, uh, opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And then we have a great priest in Christ who's made all this possible. And, and this was the, the sort of the, the, the culmination of a, a series of discussions there in Hebrews 10 about why Jesus is so superior and why the new covenant is better than the old one and why the new, you know, the sacrifice in Christ is sufficient and, and what it does, it gives us access into the most holy place. And remember, because um, sometimes I think we take that for granted, but, but the most holy place, the, 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 is a, it's a picture of having, a, a, you know, access to the literal presence of God. The most holy place at the time the writer wrote this book there was, was there inside the temple behind a curtain and it, they didn't have access to it. Uh, the, the high priest could get there once a year and only then with, with blood, but um, the, the, there now is access to and for us, the common people, normal people in Christ 24-7. Um, and, and what an amazing thing that is, that the, the, the curtain is gone because of Christ, and we have access in Christ to God. And, and so relationship um, that, that was only thought about in the time of the writing is, is available to us um, you know, in, in significant ways. And he was making sure they knew that. Their access to God that was now available to them was unlike anything they'd ever had in the past, and so to turn away from it would be foolishness. And that's his point uh, up to this point. Now, in Hebrews 11, this sort of starts the final little discussion um, in, in the, the letter, the next couple of chapters. And um, Hebrews chapter 11 is about the response that we should have now about life and the response that these, the, the Jewish believers needed to have in, in their journey was that they needed to press on and press in in faith. And Hebrews 11 is known as the chapter of faith uh, and what faith is all about. And the beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says. And, and the end point is believing in God's promises, that he will do what he says. So faith starts with, with believing he is who he says he is, and, and it, it gets moving along in the understanding that he will in fact do what he says he's gonna do. And, and that's sort of life of faith that we look at. And, and when we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see those promises materializing yet, we demonstrate true faith. 
And there's going to be a list of Old Testament heroes who did just that. So that's what faith is. Faith is, is believing in, in the character of God and believing that he will do what he says even though you haven't seen it yet. That's faith. Now, I'm not talking about presumption either because those are different. That's not, that's not saying, you know, I'm going to get God to do what I want by doing this, doing that, and doing the other thing. That doesn't work. But, but believing that God is who he says he is and, and believing that he will do what he says, that's what faith looks like. Um, it's, it's sort of a picture in, uh, um, if you remember Thomas called Didymus uh, in the New Testament in John 20, uh, 24 through 31, who, who needed to, to see. Um, let me read it to you. This is what Jesus said. Uh, uh, now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you and then he said to Thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put it in my side stop doubting and believe Thomas said to him my Lord and my God and then Jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed um, and so so this is the the underlying concept then in, in faith it's believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he says He's going to do. And, and then Hebrews 11 is going to talk about uh, some of the Old Testament heroes of the faith who did just that and, and, and are a demonstration of a life of faith in the midst of the persecution that they experienced and why these, the Jewish believers um, that the letter was being written to you know, um, should stay the course and keep pressing in and why we should as well. Uh, and uh, it, it, it picks up of a discussion that was finished in, in Hebrews 10, and I just want to, you know, jar your memory. In Hebrews 10, 37 through 39, it said, for in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And so that part of Hebrews 10 now sets up where we're heading in Hebrews 11. So let me read it to you. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 1 through 40. You should have handouts or you can turn in your Bibles. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can read along in whatever translation you'd like. But let's, uh, let's just talk about Hebrews 11, 1 through 40, and then we'll discuss it for a few minutes. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you ever like, you ever like that statement? What is, what is seen is made out of, not made out of what was visible. And then, you know, that was written a long time ago. And, you know, everything is molecular and atom. You know, I mean, you can't see it, and, and yet that's how everything's made. Anyway, that's off track. For... I could go down a big bunny trail, but I'm going to try and stick to this. By four, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you've come to this church for any length of time, you've heard that verse every Sunday morning, every time we have the children up here. Um, that verse has been sewn into them since they were tiny little as they get a sticker, but it's done on purpose. That verse, when they, they will, that will just, that's about diligently seeking the Lord. God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he is. Now they're getting stickers. It gets better. By faith, verse seven, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, prayed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were, they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than in, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. 
And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had been planning something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So there's a lot of neat stuff in there um, about living by faith and what that looked like and that the, the overall tenor is that most of these people um, didn't live long enough to see the promise that was given them fulfilled but they believed it was coming and that was good enough. And so they lived that way. And so, so the writer of Hebrews is talking to these, the, these Jewish believers and he's saying, listen, all, all of these heroes of the faith endured what you're enduring and yet kept their eyes on the prize. And that, that what you've already experienced is so much greater than, than, you know, you're experiencing what they had hoped for, and now because, you know, life isn't going the way you want, you're thinking about turning away. And, and, and so he, he's gonna, in this, in this thing, he listed these, these amazing Old Testament heroes that we have, and, and what that looks like, and, and how, how faith um, you know, wins acceptance, if you would, and, and reward from God. He wants us to live in faith um, in him, believing he is who he says he is and believing he will do what he does and, and allowing that to impact every area of our lives. So let's just talk about a few of the stories because um, I, I don't have time to get to all of them. But, you know, why they're there and why the writer had them there, I believe, and what's important um, in, in uh, Hebrews 11.4, um, Abel, uh, the, the verses I read you at the end of Tevin talked about my righteous one, Well, the next thing you read about is Abel, and, who, and he's called the righteous man, and, and his acceptance before God was based on a superior sacrifice. And, and so we've been talking about superior sacrifices in, in the buildup here. Um, and that, that Jesus' sacrifice was superior to the sacrifices that were being offered in the Levitical, Levitical system. Do you remember why? The sacrifices in the Levitical system could not take away your sin. They, they sort of temporarily covered it, but it had to be done every day and a big once, once a year. But when Jesus came, not only, you know, not only were they covered, they were done away with. They were taken away. It's a superior sacrifice. And, and because they're taken away, we have access into the literal presence of God. That's the, that's the huge difference in the two and he's making that point uh, here with Abel Abel's sacrifice what he offered to God was superior to um, what Cain gave him because Abel gave him uh, a sacrifice that meant something and and did something and and so it's a it's a picture of the better sacrifice of the new covenant and that the the other sacrifice isn't doesn't measure up and it's more along the lines of of you know Cain's um, a sacrifice, which, which wasn't offered at all, you know, it was picked up off the ground and didn't mean anything and didn't cost anything. And so, um, so even though Abel has, has had gone on to be with the Lord killed by his brother, um, his testimony still exists 
by faith uh, and, and recorded in the word of God. Enoch um, is, a, is a different sort of concept altogether in verse five and six. Uh, he, his life reflected the kind of life that pleased God because he walked by, uh, with God by faith and he's encouraging the, all the people that, listen, walk like Enoch did. Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. We don't even fully understand that, what that means like, but somehow Enoch in relationship, God was so close that, that uh, Enoch was, was there and then, then he wasn't. He was, whoop, that's pretty cool. I kind of like that one, don't you? I don't know what noise effects that would be, but uh, it's a good one. You know, because Enoch had that happened. Enoch, and, and we, we know Elijah kind of had that sort of experience too, right? But, uh, but not too many guys. So um, very cool. Um, um, and so, uh, you know, it's a promise of, of what they can expect um, when, 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 and if they'd been alive, what they would have expected when Jesus comes back. At some level, um, you know, Enoch's a picture of not experiencing death. He was just caught up with God. Well, we, we experience a physical death, but we, we'll, we'll never experience a spiritual one in Christ. We're, we continue on in him forever. We, we get, at some point, I'm gonna talk about this this Sunday a little, because um, I'm talking about loving God with your, all your soul this Sunday. But you know, at some point, because we, we hang on to this because we know it, but you, you, you get that some sort of glorified body. We all get something better than this that matches our soul um, when, we, when we go to be with him forever. And it, I, that's, oh, I'm good with that. Because this one hurts me sometimes. I drove all day today. I had things on me hurting. Some sitting down that long hurts me. Um, I won't go into where, but it hurts me. And uh, my knees start to hurt, and, and you know, I'm thinking, man, it's like my body mocks me from the way I treated it for so long. And even though I'm trying to treat it better now, it goes, up oh, too late. Watch this pain. Now! Anybody else get those for out of nowhere? Can you be sitting perfectly still, not doing anything, and like, all of a sudden, it's, I get a pain sometimes in my left knee that, that literally is like, ah, and I'm not even doing anything. And I think, man, that's, that's not good. I get a whole new one. I get, isn't that, do you think, how cool is that? Is there be, something better than that one? That, and I won't mess it up because there's no sin anymore. And so it'll, it's just good and stays good forever. And there's, you don't have any of that. I'm, a, I'm excited about that. Anyway, um, Enoch got to experience, very cool. Um, uh, uh, verse seven. I starts talking about Noah. And, and uh, um, you know, it's a promise of, of inheriting the world to come and what that looks like. And um, Noah had faith and he responded by faith uh, to, to the, what, God did, what God called him to. And think about how crazy it was to build, a, to build this ship in the middle of the desert and, and because it's gonna rain. And it's possible it had never rained before on the earth. That the, the, the earth might have been watered in a, in a different way and that when the, when the firmament that surrounded the planet um, is when, that was, when God did away with that firmament, that's what caused the flood. And can you imagine if, if that is the case, that, that, that he's building an ark for something that had never been experienced before in the middle of the desert for all these animals. Can you imagine the ridicule he must have received from the people who were around him as he tried to explain it? Um, and, you know, and it took a long time. There was a lot of time for people to come by and look. Like, what in the world are you doing? Well, God told me to build it. It's gonna be a big rain. There's a flood. And I've gotta gather the animals and somehow, you know, save my family. And, and you know, and can, can you imagine? Anyway, he did it. And, and, Thank goodness he did it, or else we wouldn't be here. We all sprung from that. Uh, um, 
that, that what we're waiting for is, is the promise of what to come. You know, the kingdom of God is here, but not fully here. We, we discuss that all the time, and, and it's coming when Jesus comes back. But, but we're to live in that tension with our eyes, knowing that, that at some point everything gets restored. And at some level, just like uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we, we live as sort of, um, you know, the foreigners in, a, in, a, in waiting for what's promised. And, and it's a picture of, of living like that in faith, knowing that it's coming, and we'll never fully realize it here, but it's coming for us. Abraham and Sarah, and their willingness to, to wait on God, even though not perfectly, and they, and they, they, they made some missteps, you know, Abraham did. Um, but, but still, all in all, he hung on and, and believed in what was happening in the process, uh, and God moved into that in significant ways. And, and there's sort of a summary of those events uh, in, in Hebrews uh, uh, 13 through 16 and what was happening uh, in the process. And then, then you know, how they, they, they experienced a lot of different tests and what was happening, you know, with Abraham and having to, uh, Isaac, you know, God said, you need to take Isaac and offer him to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham, even though he'd waited forever for Isaac, said, okay, and, and God stepped in and intervened. He was just making sure Abraham was willing to do whatever he needed to do uh, and uh, to follow after him. And they were to continue to press on, just like you know Joseph pressed on to the end, and what was happening, and um, all these things that were taking place, uh, and and Moses and, and his whole journey was talked about. Um, uh, I wanted to talk to you about something else. Uh, he went and said all the things that he couldn't talk about. He said, "I don't have time," and all the miraculous events that took place. Um, are worthy of, of a study and, and reading to watch how God has moved um, on behalf of his people, the persecutions they went through, um, through throughout their lives, and yet kept focused on Jesus um, in the process. Uh, by faith, the people passed through the Red Seas on dry land. When the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. I read that and thought about, there's, a, there's a, a teaching that goes around sometimes that the Red Sea isn't actually the Red Sea, it's called the Reed Sea. I don't know if you've ever heard this. And it's only a couple feet deep. And that it's not that big a deal that the, uh, that the people of Israel were able to cross over it. And, and so, but you know what's fascinating is, is that, okay, well maybe if, if it is the Reed Sea and, and Reed Sea and they were just able to go across and it didn't part the way you did. Okay, here's another miracle for you. The entire army of Egypt, Pharaoh's army, got wiped out and died then in the Six inches of Red Sea, Reed Sea. And that's just as good a miracle, isn't it? I mean, you know, okay, well, if you don't like the Charlton Heston image of the great giant seas parting, which I think is cool, that was great, wasn't it? Go across. Um, but I kind of, I'd rather have that image. But even if it, was, it wasn't that deep, whatever God had to do to, to swallow up this army works for me as a miracle. I'll take it whatever way. I always say, that, well, okay, if that's what you believe, you still got to deal with the whole, the entire army of Pharaoh getting wiped out in the sea somehow. So however you want to process it. If you think that all of a sudden they just, you know, jumped off the chariots and, and slammed drowned themselves in six inches of water, all right, whatever it took. Still works for me. People of Israel made it across and they didn't. So you go explain it. And they didn't make it back either. So there you go. And so the, 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 the Hebrews, oh, it's late. Hebrews 11, um, I talk too long sometimes. Is filled with those stories. So anyway, you can read those, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little more to, uh, next week uh, as we move into Hebrews 12 about what it looks like. But, so, so remember, now faith, faith is, is, it starts 
in believing in God's character, believing he is who he says he is, and then through our lives, it's built on the fact that we're gonna, we believe that he'll do what he says. And that includes coming back for us and everything else along the journey, and that he's got us. It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes go through difficult things. This is a fallen world on a broken planet with a very real adversary. But what it means is that what's coming is so much better than what we got that it's gonna be worth it and that we keep our eyes fixed on him. If you're watching my video uh, or on television, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really do appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Uh, we have services all weekend long and, and uh, during the week. So go on the website and find out when they are and come for a visit when you get a chance.